the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. the battle for 1600 with our friend my co-host boris epstein he is the baron regular guest on america first welcome back boris thank you it's good to be here it's good to good to be talking to you it's another week i believe this is our 12th already is that right i'm glad somebody's counting is that possible shad look it up i want to know if it's number t- he's yes thumbs up it is 12 it is a dozen that is incredible that um, is ex- that means we've got three full months of that's of, nuts. These, of these podcasts that's crazy. it seems like we started yesterday it does right? feel like three weeks not three months but i i hear there are some complaints Boris, there are, you told uh, me that some people are complaining about you, the battle for 1600. What's their problem? People are complaining. They're reaching out. It's, uh, I don't know what I could do about it. And they're saying. What are they said, saying? They're saying they want more. You mean they're it's, saying it's too they, short? It's too short. They're saying they want more. <laughs> they're saying they could. I had a friend of mine, Mike Gigliotti. I've mentioned him on the show before. Yes. He's, he's been a friend for a long time. He's in Delaware. Great family. Great American family. Hardworking, everybody. And he said to me, I could listen to this for two hours. He said, <laughs> you know, well, and you know, I guess it's good to keep them wanting, right? But uh, yeah, I've had, I've had several folks, a lot of folks reach out and say, we love this. You guys are having so much fun. The banter is great. And we could listen to this for hours and hours and hours. So I guess that's a positive. We're doing something right. right? Those, those are the kinds of complaints that you want more of. I but know. We, we're going to try and give you as much as we can. But under the crazy Corona Chinese virus circumstances, things are a little bit different. But we will persevere. We have so much to discuss today. We can talk about the president's decision to give governors the criteria by which to reopen. We've got his monumental immigration decision we've got some unbelievable audio from big bird from the mayor of new york but first things first let's talk about your favorite journalist a man i think tucker carlson coined the phrase originally and i love it he is the house eunuch of cnn he is brian stelter a man who had a blog i don't know how you go from having a blog to having your own show on cnn but i guess when you've only got four hundred thousand viewers it kind of makes sense um what what did what happened to Brian this week, Baron? Well, first of all, I have to correct you there, my friend. Okay, what did I do wrong? You, you called him a journalist. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Brian Stelter, Stelty, is, Stelty, uh, Brian Hater Tater Stelter <laughs> is Hater Tater. That's good because he does. I'm not going to say, it, but there is a certain vegetable he resembles. I, you know, I have nothing to say about it. I mean, if people people could draw their own conclusions, okay? We're okay. Ni- you know, we're nice guys. Check it out. You. Draw your we're conclusions. Nice Just check you know, it out. Do your research. Check it out. Yeah, Due diligence. Research. It's a legal it's, term. Try it. It's a simple Google. <laughs> so he, you call him. He's not a journalist. That guy is a Democratic surrogate. 
he is a commentator and at best an opinion writer. Yes. He is nowhere close, nowhere close to being a journalist. Lately, all he's been doing on his show is whining. And as we've, we, I, know, I now know we could say here, bitching and moaning yes. about President Trump. One of the recent shows, he went on to denigrate American resilience, actually. So anyway, all that's a little bit of a buildup. But then apparently, I got this. Uh, somebody texted me a tweet that he had sent. It was this weekend, wasn't it? Late last week, I think that yeah, I think the tweet. I think it was like this weekend or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was Friday or Saturday, right. and he said, "This is unbelievable." He tweeted out that he had crawled into bed and cried for our "quote unquote" pre-pandemic lives. Okay, he tried. <sighs> he told the whole Twitter Twitterverse that he crawled into bed and cried. Not he didn't say he cried for those who have died, those who have lost loved ones, those who are suffering, those who have lost jobs. Brian Stelter was, was still, crying for still the pre-pandemic days, right? For his pre-pandemic life. But but he didn't. I guess he missed the good news because it was what was it two days later that there was this report that um, coronavirus is worse for those who have testicles. <laughs> so I mean, shouldn't Brian be? I'm in a good mood. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one with you, my friend. I had to. Come on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that one. But it's a real study. Men, men with testicles are potentially more vulnerable to COVID nineteen. So Brian, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm not sure what you're suggesting, <laughs> Sebastian. I don't know. I don't um, know what you I don't know what you mean. I, I'll I, draw I you a picture one day. Once you're back in the studio, I'll get a crayon and a piece of paper, and I'll draw your picture, and it will be PG, <laughs> PG-21. It'll be PG-21, okay? Well, you, you, listen, you said it. Okay, that's up to whatever, whatever the listeners, whatever conclusions they want to draw, I'm going to leave that this with you, This is a you, podcast, okay? This is not a radio show. This is a podcast, so we can have okay. a little bit more fun. We always have fun, but we can we're, get a bit spicy. Fun. The, yeah, get a bit the, spicy. The, and that sure was. I think that takes the cake for spice. <laughs> That's a spicy <laughs> cake. That's it's a spicy, a spicy cake. cake. I okay. love it. I love right. it. Hey, we're having, a, we're having a good time. So, Brian, if you are listening, <laughs> Dr. Sebastian Gorka, he's a doctor. Okay? He's, maybe he's not that kind of doctor. Not a prescription he, writing doctor. He's not the other kind. PhD. PhD. He's PhD. He's, but Dr. Gorka has informed you that you have... <laughs> Less to worry about you're safer. than others. You're safer, especially, okay. if you're, especially if you're hiding in your bed crying. Then you're okay. probably very safe. Okay. I get it. It's an emotional time. And I get it. It's oh, tough but come on, guys. They're, but they're, come, come on, on there man. Are people well, working 20 hours. There are people working 20 hours in an ICU with full bioprotection equipment. And B- Brian Stelt is crying because he has to look into a webcam every day. For his, for his pre-pandemic life. Keep yeah. in mind. Brian, Brian Stelter has not has not lost his job. No. He's still doing his quote-unquote show, if you can call it that. Really, it's just a vlog, a video blog. It is. It really okay? is. It's a, it's, a, it's a vlog hit piece against the president. He's still doing it. He's still getting paid some whatever, whatever amount they, CNN actually decides to pay him. Me, if I were CNN, I'd get him to pay them. Okay? <laughs> Stelter well, that's what paid. they do in the airports. And we now right. know, thanks to Fox News, CNN pays the individual airports upwards of $250,000 a year to have their TVs locked on CNN. So, you know, there's precedents out there. So you're telling me that those ratings that, that they get from the airports well, aren't do real? Do the math. Do the math. 
Oh my! Which goodness. means if you take those out, it's probably you know it's uh, Anson Cooper and his cousin watching CNN. It's about it. <laughs> what about Lemon? Lemon, yes, Lemon. All right, there's three people. Three. There's people. three people. Okay. But to, to go, it, it did. First of all, of course, it was hilarious. But then, I mean, what was he? What does someone think when they wake up in the morning and they say, "You know what? I had a tough night last night and I cried and all that." At what point do they think, you know what I should do about that? I'm go- I need to let the whole world know about it. And you're right. It was Saturday morning. He tweeted it. Apparently, the crying episode came, you know, took place on Friday. Do you really need attention that bad, Brian Stelter? Well, clearly. But hang on. This you- is, but let's be clear here. This isn't just about a, a, a snowflake who's literally giving f- live footage on Twitter of his melting, because that's what that tweet was. This is a man who also, and this is where it gets really kind of ethically dubious. This is a man who's complaining openly, and this is, Jeff reminded me of this, that, that his wife has arthritis, and he's saying it is irresponsible of the president to be saying that hydroxychloroquine is a potential game changer in saving lives because his wife needs it. Now, now, now hang on, Brian. H- hang on a second. Is your wife not getting her medicine? Is, is that what you're telling us? And are you saying that this thing that hundreds, hundreds of cases have already been, we had a doctor on the show, we've used the audio, people are having their lives saved by the z and hydroxychloroquine combination, and you want to use that against the president because of your wife? Again, it goes back to your original point. That's not journalism, and he's not a journalist. It's not. He's not a journalist. He is an emotional attacker of yeah. the president. Yeah, right. That's what he does. He gets on, and unfortunately, you know, you're scrolling Twitter, and I, I've seen the clips. He gets on his high horse, and he starts whining and bitching. But, oh, why are people listening to the president? Because he's the president, and I'm not. <laughs> you're not, and you're okay. just a blogger. You're a blogger in crying into your pillow. That's who you, you are. And you're never going to be any more than that because guess what? Okay, America's a strong country that likes strength. Here's yes, what America. And and there is, t- and you know what? There is time for emotion. And if something happens that's terrible, I'm never going to look down on someone for being emotional about it. God bless you. Want to let it? But out? but God you bless. know, but but, yeah. but you're crying for what? For your Starbucks latte they used to get on the way to, to, <laughs> to tweeting your about office? it. Tweeting about no, no, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be with almond milk. I'm just saying, okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 listen, like, so you're I, on today, brother. I, I, I just I just realized this is a different kind of medium, and we have fun here for a reason. And you, you ate the, your Wheaties this morning. You, huh? I did, and you're the best guy to have fun with. This is how you. And by the way, guys, this is a serious issue. Uh, two days ago, we had in studio. An amazing man, one of the founding members of Delta Force, 17 years, th- 13 years in Delta Force, 36 years in the military, ended up as uh, Undersecretary of Intelligence in the DOD. Uh, it's, it, it was uh, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. And he talked about the issue of masculinity and how, you know, we have to recapture that concept from those who think it's toxic. And, and Brian Stelter is the antithesis of that. So if you haven't caught that, go to YouTube, watch the interview with General Boykin. Like He's got a new book called Man to Man, and it's fabulous. And this guy knows of what he speaks. He's a warrior, a warrior American. So check it out. And, and also, if you like this podcast, please tell your buddies about it. Follow 
Boris, Boris EP on Twitter. Follow me, Seb Gorka, on Twitter. But tell people about this podcast because it's a little bit different. We, we have the regular show every day, three hours across the board, political, MAGA staff, Boris, weekly guest. But this is about the battle for 1600, and we, we have a lot of fun here. So spread, spread the word, spread the word. Um, we, you know, things are kind of a, n- not the usual tempo. When it comes to campaigning right now, although the left has turned everything into a campaign, of we, course, we, and including and just to finish the other thing, real yeah, quick, yeah, let's not, let's not think that that the Stelter thing is somehow outside of this general realm, this general no, mode of attack. It's part of it because because it's fear. Class. Hang on, it's because this is so true right. because exactly. it is generating and propagating more fear, and you nailed it. That's un-American. You know, this, this is, you know, compare that Brian Stelter, the image of Brian Stelter crying into his duvet and then the Marines on Iwo Jima raising the flag. And I mean right. that deadly seriously. This is a nation built on the concept of rugged individualism. This is a nation built upon, look at the birth of this nation. There is no logical way any community in the world would have said at the a- end of the, the, the 18th century, would have said... Um, yeah, we're going to have a small band of people who are going to go against the most powerful empire the world has ever seen, the British, and we're going to fight them and we're going to win. We're going and, to win. And guess right. what? They did. And the estimates are uh, of all the colonials, between 1% and 3% actually fought. Of the residents of the colonies back then, no more than 3% actually fought the British. And guess who won? The, 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 the rough-and-tumble, little rascally colonials won. That's the American attitude, not crying into your Cheerios like Brian Stelter. So you nailed it. This is important, and it's part of the larger cultural and political battle that we see in America. It totally is. What the president is doing there every day is he's standing up, standing tall, standing strong. Yes. Saying, Here I am. I'm fighting this war. I'm fighting this invisible enemy, as he calls it. And we are going to do everything we can to defeat it and to reopen. And we'll talk about the president's plan to reopening, which is supremely dumb. It uh, was, uh, ma- master- uh, really as we are talking plan. right now, I want the latest update. We're going to post this within, within minutes, maximum a couple of hours of us recording it. Uh, the president made his announcement, the criteria, and and it was beautifully done because he is the the commander-in-chief, but he said, we are divesting this as per the Constitution. The decision is vested in the states, in the governors, and here are the criteria. If individual states meet this criteria, the governors should reopen them, and then what do we have? It's just a few days later, and right now as we're recording this, Boris, 20 states, 2-0, 20 states are saying, okay, Let's do it. Let's get back to business. Let's have let's let's open the parks. Let's have a a new way for us to open the shops. Whether it's Florida, whether it's Texas, twenty states in just a few days, and that's as it should be. Right. So there's exactly there's strength in this country. The country wants to be strong. The country wants to fight. Americans want to fight. It's in, it's in our blood. It's in our love for this country. And compare that. Compare those brave men and women on the front lines of the hospitals, the, uh, the healthcare workers, the emergency responders, are they going to work? Are they saving American lives? Or are they crying into their pillows and being weaklings? I, I think you know which one. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know which one. So the, this message from the left of defeatism, of weakness, of being fearful and crying 
is a direct opposite of the message from the president of the United States and a big part of why he was elected president. But, but hang on, hang on. want a leader, and that's what he is. But it's not just a large part of why he was elected. Boris, let me add, it's also a large, large part of why the left hates him, isn't it? Oh, sure, of course. Because, because it's that, it's that I, you know, the alpha male. I, I said, you know, it's the, the left hated it when I tweeted out first week in the White House. The alpha males are back. They can't stand that. In an age where masculinity is deemed to be toxic, in an age where they, they say sex and gender is a function of fluid. choice. Fluidity. It's fluid. Yes, fluid. Fluid. Man or woman, whatever. Then what when you matter? see a six foot two Total guy shock. stand up there for two hours every day and bat the idiot questions away from the, the so called journalist. That is the opposite of everything they want America to believe, isn't it? You know, we're, we're having fun here. We're chatting. And I remember during the campaign, and throughout, I've thought about this. If you think about just in your life who the biggest Trump haters are that you know, it's not really the cool kids. Let's be honest. It's not the manly men. It's not it, the manly men. It, it's it, it, both men and women. Right, it's 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 not the people who are truly secure in themselves. No, the men, the men and women I know who support I've, the president know who they are. Right, they, know, they for sure know what and, they're doing. And they're the kind of guys and gals you want to hang out with. They're the kind of guys you, you'd want to co-host a podcast with. Right? Am I right? <laughs> they're the kind of men and women, exactly the kind of guys and gals, men and women. Could you imagine you having to have fun with Brian Stelty? What do you think? Could, of, what do you, could you imagine? What do you th- could right. you imagine having to go out and have fun with Jennifer Rubin and Brian Stelter? Oh, my God. Have you seen what she's been tweeting? I met Jennifer Rubin once. I'll tell you the story. So I met Jennifer we Rubin. We love the, the stories. The first we love time I met stories. Jennifer Rubin was during the convention in 2016. Okay. And I was going to be on CNN. Was she insane then? As a, yes, as a senior advisor for the camp, or surrogate at the time for the campaign, about to be senior advisor. And I'm coming, and I'm, I'm coming on, and there's this woman next to me, and I, I'd never met her before. I had no idea who she is. So I said, hi, I'm Boris Stelter. She goes, you don't, she, to paraphrase, she said, you don't know who I am? I go, Are you serious? No. She was flabbergasted. She goes, I write a blog <gasps> you don't for know? the Washington Post. Uh, well, good for you. What do you want? <laughs> you want a medal? Or you want me to give you flowers? Like, what do you want me to do? With you? What, you know, congratulations. See, doesn't, is it, doesn't that encapsulate everything? You want a beer? Like, what do you want? It's you like, I mean? who, who was that columnist? I always forget the name, but there was that famous left-wing columnist after the election who said, Nixon won, but nobody I know voted for Nixon. Bingo, right? Right. Right. So Jennifer Rubin is so wrapped up in her own little world. She thinks everybody should know who she is. She thinks she's famous. And she thinks she's a big deal. Literally nobody cares about her. The but, only people who care about her are people whose last name is Rubin. And you see them on Twitter saying they want to change their name. <laughs> right. David Rubin said, I, have ordered, I, I demand Jennifer Rubin change her name. I love that tweet from last night. But, but hang on. This isn't just about her ego or some pathetic person trying to you know, impress you in a TV studio. This is a woman who tweeted out two days ago. That you know, these are she showed two cockeyed graphs. The, the, the totally fallacious graphs about morbidity in the United States under the Chinese virus, and she said, "This, these are the numbers of people that the president has killed." I mean, what? Sorry, the president has killed. That 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 means TDS, Boris, isn't just a joke. It's a oh, true pathology. Good, good thing for her that TDS is not fatal, okay? Because <laughs> Cause I, I don't think z and hydroxychloroquine is going to help, right? She wouldn't have served. She, or, yeah, or Rumsdevere. They, she wouldn't <laughs> survive, man. 
That TDS is TDS is wild in her. Okay, it's wild. <laughs> she in might her. be patient zero. She may be patient zero. Pa- she's patient zero. Stelter is patient one. I actually <laughs> tweeted. Uh, I tweeted at one point. There was something happened over the weekend. I think maybe after the Sunday briefing. There was a tweet that went out, and I think it was Oliver Darcy was another yes. quote-unquote all-star. And he retweeted Brian Stelter saying that Donald Trump is more quote-unquote emotional about CNN than he's at the death toll. So I tweeted, should Brian really be somebody talking about emotions right now? He's yeah. crumbling under the weight of his own TDS. I mean, this TDS is destroying people. Their Trump derangement syndrome is so bad, they're no longer functioning. But it's, I mean, Jennifer Rubin is not a functioning adult. No. No, but but it's not just. Let's be clear here, and we're not just doing this to highlight individuals. This no, is it's a, this. It's a huge movement. No, no, and it is institutional. I don't right. know if we discussed this in the last podcast. I don't think we did. So when, when the president, we and we we having Ari Fleischer on the show today, the the former White House press secretary, to talk about this. When the president, what was it? It feels like months ago, but I think it was ten days ago, maybe less. When he showed uh, at the beginning of the coronavirus response team briefing, a three-and-a-half-minute video of the lies, just, just what the media said, just right, snippets week, yeah. from our buddy, Dan Scavino, who, congratulations, Dan, is now Congrats, Deputy Dan. Chief of Staff in the White House, OG team. God bless you, Dan. When, when they show these clips of the lies of CNN, CBS, ABC, next to the actual timeline of what the Trump administration did, and... What was happening at the time? I mean, th- this is when you realize it's not just conservatives who work for the president like you and I. You worked in the White House. I worked in the White House. Anybody can see it. As the press conference is happening at CNN, they, they change. It's called the lower third or the Chiron. It's the subtext on a TV screen. They changed it to say Donald Trump is having meltdown. Yep. And then... Uh, Donald Trump uses coronavirus briefing to push propaganda. Now, that's not an intern. That's not some flunky who gets to change the Chiron. Boris, that only happens if somebody in D.C. or or in New York who is a producer tells them to change the Chiron on the live feed, and that's TDS, the proof in your hand. No doubt about it. And it's happening across mediums. It's happening across outlets. And you're right. They're standing. I mean, th- people thought it was a joke. People thought that those Chirons were a joke, but they were absolutely real. It was tweeted out by, by a CNN reporter. I was like, wow. No, the, fir- the first time I saw it, saw, saw, I thought it was um, Photoshop. Me too. That's what I thought. I, was, I thought it was Photoshop, but it was absolutely not. And then another instance, there was a reporter for New York Times. Her name's Ginia Belafonte. She wrote a story. Oh, yes. I don't know if you saw this. I did. She, she wrote a story about a man, seemingly a very nice man, uh, whose name is Joe Joyce, who sadly passed away from the coronavirus. He's an owner, a bar owner in, in Brooklyn, New York. And her whole story was wrapped up around the fact that this man went on a cruise on March 1st, and then on March 8th, she quoted Sean Hannity as somehow not taking the coronavirus seriously, which is not the truth. He absolutely was. And then she wrapped it all around to blame Sean Hannity and then, of course, blame the president in her mind for this man's death. And then, guess what? What? Internet's forever. <laughs> they found that on, in late February, two days before this man left for the cruise, she was tweeting, what's the big deal? What's all the panic? This coronavirus isn't that, isn't that major. 
But she didn't rewrite the story. She of didn't delete her tweets. She didn't change anything. It's just out there for everyone to see. What, what, about, what about that? I think it was Miami Herald uh, writer who was attacking Governor DeSantis a few days ago who tweeted out. And it's still up there. It was yesterday. And she wrote, um, it's good that DeSantis is opening up the Florida beaches because that way more Trump supporters will die was basically the tweet. I mean, people are nuts, man, and it's institutionalized, and it's it's all the way from the DNC to to you know Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi is doing everything she can to give the House back to Republicans. I'm so glad you President mentioned Trump this. Okay, okay. So, and they are just just to finish the point. They're all all together. What they're doing is that they're trying to denigrate Trump supporters any way they can right. to blame President Trump. But you know what? They're failing, and we're seeing it in the polls. How the important needs to be strong. How important is it? I ha- I'm so glad you reminded me. How important is it that as 23, 24 million people were added to the unemployment rolls in 10 days, um, that Nancy Pelosi is um, smirking and smiling in front of her $23,000 fridge talking about her $100 per gallon chocolate ice cream? Does that matter? It matters. That, it's optics in America, right? Optics matters. Perception matters. Behavior matters. Caring for Americans matters. Yes. And that ad, the advertisement of the Trump campaign. Oh, my gosh. We showed it on the show. It's unbelievable. Where they showed her talking, her smirking, her opening up the fridge, showing the Jenny's ice cream and the chocolate ice cream and then the Talenti. And listen, I like ice cream. You like ice cream. God bless. But doing that while celebrating the blocking of extra funding for small businesses, celebrating the cutoff of the life blood of those small businesses which thankfully everybody she finally was forced to come to her senses looks like they are going to pass this and the president will sign the extension which they should have done over a week ago she she was celebrating the stalling of that extension she's celebrating effectively americans being out of work and she's doing it while eating ice cream and the the trump campaign absolutely nailed her if i'm a democrat right now in the house i want Absolutely nothing, nothing to do with, to do with Nancy. Nancy. Can, can I ask you, on, on, you know, this is the Battle for 1600 uh, right. podcast. You are a member of the Trump 2020 Campaign Advisory Board. Yes, We're sir. talking to Boris Epstein. Um, l- l- let, me, let me ask you um, this strange phenomenon. I don't know if I've asked you this on the show already, Boris. It seems in the last, let's say, five months, four or five months, that, that Chuck Schumer's just disappeared. What? I, I don't get it. It's you know, Nancy's front and center. Now and again, AOC throws something in. Then you have various governors like Cuomo. But but has 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 Chuck just surrendered to Nancy and the squad? What's going on in Capitol Hill? Yeah, there's not much. You're, you're not going to see much of uh, good old Chuck. But but before that, it was always him and her. They'd go to the White House. He'd be you know, looking like Gollum on that. You know, sitting in the in the Oval Office. You, 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 they're always back and forth, and he would be making statements. Remember, after the president's address, they had that scary, the two of them in front of those flags looking like some, you know, painting. Um, right. But, like dolls. Yeah, but, but it's this, he's kind of AWOL. Is there something to that, or am I just interpreting? He believes, likely, that there's no benefit in being out there with. with so he's Nancy smarter Pelosi. than her. He, he's definitely acting it, because Nancy Pelosi, A, 
Keep in mind, she, she's also the one that delayed the third bill. Yes. The, the last relief bill, the big one, the $2 trillion relief bill. She delayed that. He said it was done. And then they had to sort of cover for her for a couple of days and get it done. She now delayed this extension to the funding for small businesses. Right. And so Chuck Schumer is sort of left holding the bag. He doesn't want anything to do with that. And then, you know what's interesting? What? I don't know if you have a time. How long have we been doing? Have we been talking for today? About half an hour? Already twenty-five minutes? Uh, we have been talking twenty-five minutes exactly. Do you know that we haven't mentioned the presumptive Democratic nominee for president <laughs> once in twenty-five minutes? <laughs> uh, can I share with you the funniest thing I heard today? Do it. Um, it was on my buddy Chris Plant's show, and it was a caller. Who was it? Mark or Marco or somebody? And he said, um, "He said I'm." I'm Joe Biden, and I've forgotten this message. That should be at the end of each campaign ad, shouldn't it? I mean, that was just Chris cracked up when the caller said that. But what does that, what does that say that we've been on our podcast, the battle for 1,600, 194 days away, and we haven't even mentioned Sleepy Joe? Well, the reason is, is because the real battle for 1,600 is between the president, who is this country's leader, who is this country's strength, and then the Democratic Party. Yeah. Joe Biden really at this point is just sort of a vehicle. I mean, he, it's so embarrassing. I, did you see the CBS thing? He's doing a puff piece interview, and he has to keep look, looking down at his notes. But that's not the first time. There's a, anytime, he does, anytime he does it, and of course, nobody's even asking him about Tara Reid, which now we know is being, that's a sexual assault claim being investigated. Being investigated by the DC, by the DC P- police. DC police. So, but they don't even ask him those questions, which, by the way, is a whole, we could literally spend three hours talking about the absurdity, the hypocrisy of how CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, and then everybody and your mother in left mainstream media have treated the Tara Reid accusation versus the accusations against Justice Kavanaugh. I, look, I think Me Too's dead. I mean, we, we have just seen the hypocrisy of the left totally destroy the idea that you listen to the victim and you are basically guilty until proven innocent if you're a conservative judge who's been nominated to be associate justice in the highest court in the land. But if you're the former vice president who's running to be presidential nominee of the Democrat Party, who cares? It's a non-story. H- how long can that go on? I mean, if, if the p- police are investigating it, can it be deep-sixed into the memory hole forever? It depends on what comes out. It, it depends on what comes out of the investigation. If, there's, if it's credible and there's real information there, because keep in mind, she, already the accusation is more credible than Christine Blasey Ford's accusations against Justice correct, Kavanaugh. Correct, Because there's contemporaneous sharing of information. Right, which is crucial from a legal perspective. It's right. the first thing the police look for. Did the victim tell anybody at the time of the assault? Right. right. So there's somebody who's, who says that she, that she shared with them this information yeah. at, the t- at the time it happened, so close to the time it happened. So that is that matters. That remember in the case of Christine Blasey Ford, the opposite had happened. Yes. She said she shared it, but the woman that was our best friend at the time, I don't really remember it. Never I don't happened. remember. I was forced to say yes at first, but I don't remember it. Right here, there's two people who've come out and says yes, I remember this. So these, this is a credible allegation. I do not know the facts. Obviously, neither of us were there. We don't know. We're not. You know, we haven't seen these uh, the documents that that have been sealed now for, uh, and, uh, according to the University of Delaware, will be sealed for two years and uh, after Biden leaves public life. 
But you know what? If there's a criminal investigation, all that gets unsealed pretty Correct. damn quickly. Correct. So the question is this. CNN, up until a couple of days ago, and maybe through today, had done one piece on this late on a Friday night. They did hundreds and hundreds on Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. On the, on the accusations against Kavanaugh. Well, and there were demonstrations on the streets. There were women literally screeching and clawing at the bronze doors of the Supreme Court. Why why isn't that happening at the headquarters of the DNC, Boris? I don't know. Is that strange? And and I I had women, professional women, lawyers, who were saying things to me like, if he gets confirmed, this is a, a horrid moment for America about Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. But they don't seem to care about sleepy Joe Biden so much. So strange. And this it's strange, but yet it's totally predictable. Yeah, to- we know. Totally. This, the whole thing against Kavanaugh was completely orchestrated. That was plug in a guy named Joe Johnson, okay, mm-hmm. or you know, Tom Everyday. Yeah. And they would have run the same playbook against them. That's what they, they they try to do. Because with Gorsuch, they just weren't up for it. They couldn't have done it. They didn't mobilize. And also, keep in mind, Gorsuch was, was replacing, Justice Gorsuch was replacing Justice Alito. Yes. So there wasn't the same, uh, sorry, Justice Scalia. Justice Scalia. Scalia. So yeah, Alito still there, thankfully. So Gorsuch was Another good Italian. A good Italian, right. Gorsuch was replacing Justice Scalia. So that was a seat that the Democrats didn't worry about as much. But here you had Justice Kavanaugh replacing Justice Kennedy, which is a swing vote seat. Right. So they went absolutely crazy, which tells you this. What do you think is going to happen? If, <laughs> I'll be RGB. RG, whoever it is next, whoever it is that leaves next, however they leave, he or she leaves, what do you think is going to happen if – God willing, as me and you expect the president, the one that gets to appoint him, and appoint somebody like, I'm going to say it right here, Amy Coney Barrett? It would be amazing. Okay. Uh, and, and they, it will be hard to imagine anything more vicious than last time, but it will be. But what are they going to do, right? So, he, see, you nominate a woman. So you can't meet, they're not going to try, I mean, maybe they'll try to meet to movement her somehow, but you nominate a woman with a sterling record, and it, does it then no longer matter that it's important to put women in positions of power? Well, no, of course not, because look at what they did to Governor Palin. Right. They, they tanked Governor Palin, her hang, handicapped uh, uh, grandchildren, uh, her daughter. There, 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 are no, there are no rules. There, there is no moral line that they will draw. So, you know, you, you, th- this is one of the things that they have determined to achieve in D.C., which is to make it as hard as possible for good people to accept jobs in a conservative administration. You, you know that as well as I do. Last question. We have to get ready for our show today, America First. You got it. Um, last big question. It's, it's, it's the battle for 1600. The president is in the White House in large part because of what he promised with regards to immigration reform. The president's tweet Sunday night, pretty massive, no? It's massive. It's important. A temporary hold on all immigration until Americans are back at work. And I wrote about this in, uh, in today's newsletter. It's weekly, breakfastwithboris.com. Go to breakfastwithboris.com. Yes. Check it out. So Breakfast with Boris is a weekly newsletter that goes out. I wrote about it th- this morning. There are two actions that the president took. One is the pause on all immigration for at least 60 days could be extended. And the, and the second is an extension of an agreement with Mexico and Canada to stop all non-essential travel for an extra 30 days. What does that do? Those two mo- movements, those two actions together, they prevent the spread of the coronavirus, the coming, uh, coming into the uh, United States. Yes. 
they prevent folks who are infected or folks who sadly you know are in danger of being infected coming into the United States so it protects American health and the American health system that's one and two economically there's no question we are in a tough place in America right. we're in double digit unemployment it could be getting higher and higher and higher okay I do think we're going to rebound quickly as the president said I think it's going to be a v-shaped rebound we went down quickly into where we are now. We're going, going to go come back up, up quickly. quickly. Right. I'm very, I'm very optimistic about that. I think that's in the American lifeblood. I think it's in, a, I think it's in the American nature to rebound. That's who we are as Americans, right? We started talking on we the don't, podcast. We don't about, wallow. We, 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 uh, we bounce back. We don't cry in our pillows, okay? <laughs> we, Americans, Americans are tough. Americans bounce back, and that's what America's always been. You look at every tough moment in American history, everything from the Revolutionary Wars you talked about to the War of 1812 when the White House was burned, all to Civil War, World War One. The Great Depression, World War II, America's bounced back, bounced back, bounced back. The Great Financial Crisis 10 years ago, we bounced back. And right. We're going to bounce back from this. But we have to enable ourselves to bounce back. And that's what the president's done with this pause on immigration. Because the last thing Americans need now is more competition for the jobs that should be going to Americans who want to get back to work right away. Right. Because let's not forget, before this started, our unemployment was, what, 3.5%? Correct. So statistically, literally zero, because that's what it is. See, if you adjust seasonally, if you look at true unemployment, that means that every, it's max employment. And I think we're going to get back there quickly, but the president is doing all he can to set the stage for that and make sure there's not unnecessary competition from those who are coming from other places and are not American citizens and are not American permanent residents. And that was a good move. And you know what? The polls show that Americans overwhelmingly support both that action and the pausing of the continuous pause of the non-essential travel with Canada and Mexico. So the president's doing what he should be doing. He's taking care of America and Americans. And that's exactly what the definition of America First is. It's a good name for a radio show. You have been listening to... The Battle for 1600. Check out that article from our co-host, Boris, at breakfastwithboris.com. Follow him at Boris EP on Twitter and me, Sebastian Gorka. Seb Gorka, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A. Thank you, Boris. Can't wait to have you back in studio. Let's make it happen as soon as possible. Let's do it soon. We're going to have fun. But you know what? These these podcasts have been good. We did give the listeners a good amount of time today. We did. Hey, it's good to keep them wanting for more, right? (laughs) God bless you, my friend. God bless everybody. Thank you. Thank you, guys.